Welcome to our midweek Bible study of the book of 1 John. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. But before we get into the text together, I have one announcement I want to share with you, and that is about our online vacation Bible school. So starting this Sunday, that'll be July the 12th through the 15th, we're going to be having an online vacation Bible school. It's going to work very similar to how these videos go, but it's going to be geared a little bit more toward uh, kind of kids or, or really, basically, we're kind of including all different age groups. Now, the intention is for you as a family to sit down and to watch the video together. There might be some times that you want to pause the video and kind of discuss some things. In fact, I'm going to have some different discussion questions or suggestions that you can just kind of talk about as a family and maybe do some extra study as a family. There's also going to be some times for some activities in there. Which, speaking of which, if you go to the website that's mentioned there at the, at the bottom of the page, or uh, you can go down in the details uh, about this video and you can see a link to that, uh, you can find a packet that you can print off. Now, this is the same packet that if you come to our drive-in services, you've uh, already been able to, to get one of these. But this packet will give you some information about how kind of the Vacation Bible School is going to work this year. And also it will give you a supply list in case you want that kind of uh, full VBS experience, if you will. So just get onto that uh, website right there and download that or, or print it off if you want to just kind of follow along at home. So I hope that that will be a wonderful time for us to, to come together as families and to have fun and to build each other's faith up. So now let's take a look at 1 John chapter 2. It's going to be a great study, I think. 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his words, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Okay, so already we kind of see this uh, information that's mentioned here in 1 John. He loves to talk about love and also light. We're going to see that we're still kind of in this section that's talking a lot about light, and he's already compared just right above this in that previous chapter. He's compared sin with darkness, and right here he's talking about how uh, we shouldn't sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate. We have someone who stands beside us. That is Jesus Christ. He's the righteous one. We see in verse 2 that he has also provided us with the atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, we don't have to do like what they had to do in the Old Testament. Continuously offer up sacrifices. See, we kind of looked at some of that in the previous study whenever we looked at the book of Hebrews. But now what we see in Jesus Christ is he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. But you know, it gets even better than that because it, it states that it's not just you know for our sins, but it's also for the whole world. And I, I would remind you that what this includes is not just the whole world right here, right now. You know, the snapshot of whoever is on the world right now. But that also means anyone who's ever lived and anyone who's ever going to live. It, it, it works both ways. We see the whole world is talking about everybody. That's how great this sacrifice is that Jesus gave in our place. We also find out beginning in verse 3 
that we need to keep his commands. Now, we know this and we, we teach these commands to children. We have to constantly be reminded of them ourselves. That's part of who we are. And yes, many times we think of the New Testament in, in different terms. We don't think of it as much as commandment-based, but yet there are some commands that we've been given by, by God, by Jesus himself. And we need to remember those commands and we need to recognize the importance of keeping those commands even now. In fact, we kind of have a little bit of a test to be able to see um, that and know that we are in him. That, that's what's stated here in verse five, that you know we can know that we're in him, how can we know that? Verse six tells us that whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So do you live as Jesus lived? I mean, that's easy to say yes, but don't, don't say yes just too soon. Think about that. Seriously consider, are you living your life in such a way just like how Jesus lived his? Because if you are, then you are in him. And you see that there's this, this test that you, you can pass, but you know it, it does take an effort. And you have to be aware of that effort um, every single day of your life. It, it is a, a constant thing that you have to be aware of. Sometimes it's described in the scriptures as like running a race. You know, if, if you start running a race, but then all of a sudden you just don't keep taking a step forward, what's going to happen? You're not going to win the race. That's just one analogy that's used in the scriptures talking about the life and us following God. Let's move on to verse 7 now. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or a sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Okay, so if the first six verses weren't enough about light and dark, now we definitely see all this language about light and dark in this comparison uh, with sin or the life of, of a righteous person. But before we get into that part, look at verses seven and eight. I kind of find this interesting, and, and I think this is one of these occasions. We're going to see another one later on that's even uh, kind of, you got to pay more attention even than, than this one. Uh, but this one right here, this is one of those times you have to pay attention to what's being stated. Because in verse 7, he says, I'm not writing a new command. But then in verse 8, he says, yet I am writing you a new command. So you might be wondering if you just take that first part of that sentence uh, of each of those verses. You might be thinking, okay, so is he writing us a new command or is he writing us an old command? You know, because he says he's not, but then he is. Okay, what I would suggest to you is that what is happening is it's an, it's an old command, or rather, you know, it's not a new command to us. It's a command that we've been given from the very beginning. But what we see is a new way in which to see this command being carried out. And this command has to do with... Um, with us walking in the light and being in the light and also this love. You know, that's kind of this entire message of this whole book. You know, whenever you try to look about what this, this command actually is, what you find is there's a few different commands in the book of 1 John. And we're going to be looking at some of those commands from time to time. But all of these commands have something to do with our love for one another, our love for God, 
but then, you know, also how we stay away from sin and that, that we are of the light. We're not of the darkness. So all of these things are kind of wrapped in together. But we see in verse eight that there's a new way that this command can be seen. And that is because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. That light is Jesus Christ and what he's brought us. So the darkness, the hold that sin can have on us, it really is passing away. Now, sometimes it doesn't always look like that. Sometimes it doesn't always feel like that, but it is. When Jesus Christ came here to this earth, he did something about this sin. He was the atoning sacrifice, not just for our sins, but for the whole world. Remember that verse that we looked at at the beginning of this study. So we're still looking at this here. And now we see this connection between the light and the darkness and the need to love our brothers and sisters. That's what's stated in verse nine. You know, we have to love our brothers and sisters. And with that, of course, we have to love God as well. Jesus himself has stated that that's the greatest command. And the second's like it. You know, the greatest is to love God with your whole everything. And then the, the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, John's going to bring up those same types of things. And here we see this already starting. And we will continue to see this and the importance of living God and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this message here is so important for us today, just like it was back whenever John wrote it. And this message is important to, to each and every one of us, no matter what stage of life, so to speak, we might find ourselves in. The next few verses kind of show this. Let's look at verses 12 through 14 now. So 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. Listen to the different um, kind of groups of people that are listed here. This message and what the purpose of 1 John is, it's for all of us, each and every one of us. Verse 12. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. I mean, look at these different people groups, even different age groups, if you want to look at it. We have dear children, fathers, young men, children, fathers, young men, all these things kind of mentioned. These are supposed to bring us in. Each and every one of us, no matter what point you are in your life, this is a message that First John is talking about that you need to hear. And this message deals a lot with loving God and recognizing that he is love and also recognizing the light that God can bring to us. How important is it to keep those things in mind? Well, in the next few verses, we're going to see a warning to us. Uh, specifically a warning to his original audience, but that warning is given to us as well. Let's look at that warning. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So as we look at this warning, and I'm going to call it this warning, because, yeah, you can also, I guess, call it a command as well, because you have in verse 15, you know, do not love the world or anything in the world. This is that 
other occasion that I told you, you really got to pay attention to what's being stated. You know, before it was just one verse, he says, I'm not writing a new command. And then he says, I am writing a new command. Well, in this verse, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, I think most of us already know what he's talking about there. And we've kind of already been taught this ourselves. Even, you know, this is something that we kind of teach uh, even kind of young children. We start to teach them about, you know, not loving the world. But yet, this is one of those occasions that you really have to pay attention to what's being stated. Because it's very interesting to me that in verse 15, we're, we are told, do not love the world. But do you remember John 3.16? For God so loved the world. You know, and, and what's interesting is that word for love is the same both in English and Greek. And that word for world is the same in both English and Greek, in both of those verses. So it's it's kind of interesting to me that you have in the one place that God loved the world so much, but then we are told not to love the world. I'm not bringing this up to confuse you because I don't think it should be confusing. I think you already understand the difference, but here is why I do bring it up. It's because you can't always just read a verse and it automatically make perfect sense to you without taking into consideration kind of what's being talked about here. Because you get within the surrounding verses exactly what verse 15 is talking about and, and what he means by saying, do not love the world or anything in the world. You understand that. Just like in John 3, 16, if you want to understand the type of love that the Father has for the world, just look at the surrounding verses and you find out that love that the Father has. It's not saying that, you know, we need to do something that, uh, different than what God himself does. No, God loves the world and he cares for the world and he did something to, to bring us through the world, you know, and out of the world. That's what the Father has done. And that's what John 3, 16 is talking about. Now, this passage is talking about how we don't need to love the world in such a way that we are always within it and only working within the world. He lists some things that are in the world in verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Yeah, none of those things are good. We definitely need to stay away from those things. We definitely do not need to love those things. They don't come from God. They come from the world. We also see in verse 17 another thing of what this statement is about to not love the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. These things that are here on this earth, they are temporary. Now, we need to be aware that, you know, we will be judged by how we live our lives while here on this earth. But yet this earth and everything in it, it is going to be burned up. It is, you know, going to pass away, so to speak. But yet what is going to remain? You are going to remain. You are going to live forever. And it's up to you as to whether or not that forever life is going to be with God or apart from God. And I can tell you that that forever life apart from God most certainly isn't good. And that forever life with God is the greatest thing you could possibly imagine, plus a few extra things. This passage is so important for us to understand what he means by not loving the world or the things in it. We cannot be so connected to this world that we miss out on what God is doing in this life and in the next life. God asks us to take part in those things with him. And to follow him, to be in this light, and to be in his love. Let's keep looking more because now it's going to get extremely interesting. And maybe you notice the title of this lesson is called, you know, the Antichrist or Antichrist 
uh, that phrase, you know, sometimes people, they really want to know about the Antichrist. They keep talking about him and, and wanting to know. And in fact, you know, maybe sometimes you've, you've uh, had some people who have said that perhaps the Antichrist is going to be coming soon because of, you know, just crazy things that we see in the world right now. Is that really what's being stated about the Antichrist in the scriptures? Let's take a look together. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now, usually, I would not just stop this as, as only looking at these two verses. However, this language about the Antichrist that shows up in this passage, I just feel like we've got to pause here and we've got to take just a little bit of time to, to look at what Antichrist means. Because the, the term Antichrist is oftentimes used and is oftentimes thought of as being like, oh, well, you know, in, in, in the end times, there's going to be an Antichrist who comes and it's just, it, it's going to be horrible and we've got to be aware that this is coming in the future. But the message that's proclaimed in the Bible, here in this passage in 1 John 2, we see that, yeah, he says that this is the last hour, but, you know, he's not saying that today. He, he said that nearly 2,000 years ago. There's several passages in the Bible that tell us it's the last days, it's, it's the last hour, you know, different phrases like that. Even the book of Hebrews in the last study brought up that, that concept about um, how, you know, now it's, it's the last times. That phrase gets repeated several times. And what he is saying is he talks about the Antichrist. Yeah. And he says, you know, you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. But notice what he continues to say in verse 18. Even now, many Antichrists have come. Now, I don't know why whenever people talk about the Antichrist, they so much of the time just talk about as if it's only one person, you know, that it's going to be the Antichrist. What John says is, you know, you've heard about the Antichrist, but even now there's many Antichrists. They've already come. And then he says, that's how we know it's the last hour. That's how we see all these things. And then in verse 19, we find out a little bit more about these Antichrists. And we find out that, you know, they, they didn't really belong to the church. They weren't really a part of the church because they didn't remain in the church. They kind of maybe looked like they were Christians for a time, but then they, they started doing things that were against Christ. By the way, we're going to get a definition for what Antichrist actually means in verse 22. So we're going to look at that in just a moment. But for right now, we, you know, we see that they didn't remain with Christians. No, they, they didn't belong to Christians. So sometimes even people might be in your midst for a certain amount of time, but that doesn't always necessarily make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is, going back to what we've looked at previous in this verse, are you living your life like what Jesus lived his life? Because then you are on the side of Christ. It is okay for you to take the name Christian because the name Christian, it means that you are like a little Christ. That's literally what the, the term Christian means. You're like Christ. But these antichrists, they're not like Christ. They're not at all. They're completely opposed to him. Let's take a look at what the antichrists really are. 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 25 now. Contrasting what he's just said about those antichrists who left the church. 
But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. So now as we turn our attention here, we, we find out a definition of what it means to be Antichrist. And literally, if you take the term Antichrist, it's made up of two parts. Anti, that means anti. You are against something. What are you against? You are against Christ. That's talking about Jesus. So Antichrist is literally just someone who is against Jesus Christ. Verse 22, it is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. Whenever you deny that Jesus is the Christ, you are also denying the Father and you are denying the Son. You understand how important it is now that we believe that Jesus is the Christ? You know, sometimes we just oftentimes will say Jesus Christ as if that's his first and last name. Jesus is his name. Christ is what he was, who he was, who he is. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. That's why we see in verse 20 talking about, you know, our own anointing. It's because we're Christians. We are anointed too. Our anointing comes from the Holy One, just as Jesus Christ the anointed one, his anointing came from the Holy One as well. Whenever we are following Christ, then we are not against Christ. We are directly going side by side with him, doing the same thing. We are following Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian. But the person who denies that Jesus is the Christ, that person is the Antichrist. It's not some single individual that we are looking for that, that's going to signal like the end of all time. No, I mean, Perhaps at the very end of the world, there might be one individual who, you know, who really does have a lot of power. And perhaps that person could be called an antichrist. But to focus so much on the antichrist, we just don't find that in the scriptures. What we do find is that anybody who denies that Jesus is the Christ is an antichrist and comes in the spirit of the antichrist. And we've got to be aware, not just of one individual who might or might not come in our lifetime, but John said that antichrist were coming in his lifetime. Do you think we have antichrist today? I think we do. I think we need to be aware of that and recognize who they are and understand what it means if we align ourselves too closely with them. We are called to be Christians. We are called to follow Christ. We need to continue to follow him. And in verse 24, uh, we, we have this kind of statement. This, this encouraging statement that we need to make sure that what we have heard from the beginning remains in us. Um, so what have you heard from the beginning? You know, this has to do with those, with those commands and the love of God, the light of God, all these great things, these foundational truths that you've been told from the very beginning, they need to remain in you. And whenever you remain, uh, whenever those things remain in you, then you remain in the Son, you remain in the Father, and in verse 25, this is where we see eternal life is something that he's promised to us. These are very encouraging. So if you're wondering, well, what do I need to do about all this? Okay, 
hold fast to the things you've been taught, these things that are truly from the scriptures. Make sure that those true things, those truths remain in you. Whenever they remain in you, then you're going to remain in the Son. You're going to remain in the Father. And because the Father is life and gives life freely, you will have eternal life. It's a wonderful promise. It's a wonderful statement that's found here and very encouraging, especially after he's just talked about how there's many people who are against Christ. But it, ha it has to be different. And it most certainly can be different with you. That is a wonderful statement of encouragement. There's a few more verses in this chapter, so let's look at those together. 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 through 29 now. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So here in these final verses, we see this, this continued encouragement being stated to us. And in verse 28, I love this passage, and I want us to, to really focus on this, because I believe this is a wonderful end to this lesson, and I think it's a wonderful end to this, this chapter as well. In verse 28, he calls his audience dear children again. You can tell that John loves these people. And by this time, whenever he's writing this letter, he would have been an, an, an older person. And he's writing to the church and he's calling them dear children. And he's urging them to continue in him, not him, but him, Jesus Christ. So that whenever Jesus appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. You can rest assured that Jesus is coming back. And because of that, you can also rest assured that we can be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. That has to start right here, right now. Is that the type of life you're going to live? That you are confident and you are unashamed before him at his coming? Because that's what we as Christians can most certainly do. Just as a reminder, next week we're not going to be studying uh, the book of 1 John together. But that's going to be our Vacation Bible School. So there still is going to be a video up, but it'll be a different one. And I hope that you can watch that and enjoy that with your family. 